Hello, and welcome to this ICE Tech Talks podcast. I'm James Crumley, the Knowledge Research Lead at the ICE. Today, as part of our State of the Nation activities, we are discussing the water sector and how engineers must lead the way in designing nature-based solutions for new and existing infrastructure. Our guest today, who will be sharing their thoughts and insights, is Marika Nival, Technical Principal Nature-Based Solutions at McDonald. Marika is a passionate advocate for nature-based solutions and has worked on integrated catchment management plans and natural coastal protection programs around the world. Marika, thank you for joining us. So to start, I guess, what does nature-based or nature-first solutions mean to you? And I guess, how are engineers already using it in the, in the water sector? Thank you, James, and, and a pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, so nature-based solutions, they are measures that work with nature to address societal challenges, providing benefits for human well-being and biodiversity. So societal challenges can include like climate change, adaptation and mitigation, uh, disaster risk reduction, reversing ecosystem degradation and biodiversity loss, human health, socioeconomic development, food security and water security. And then water-related challenges, so they can include like too much water or too little or too dirty water. And there are several types of nature-based solutions, um, depending on what the focus of the problem is, uh, that you can think of and that engineers are already using uh, in the water sector. So, for example, there's natural flood management, which is about using nature to restore hydrological processes such as slowing down the flow of water across the landscape to reduce flood risks by creating ponds or adding um, woody material to smaller water courses. Then river restoration is about restoring channels and reconnecting them to their floodplains to enable a healthy river ecosystem. Sustainable drainage systems, they involve using nature to slow down and filter runoff close to where it falls as rain before it enters the drain or uh, larger watercourses. Then catchment management is using nature to improve water quality to making changes across the landscape. So for example, uh, buffer strips, tree planting, or changing land management and uh, restoring soil health. Then treatment wetlands, they can be used to treat sewage, uh, effluent or overflows. And coastal solutions, could include things like salt marshes or seagrasses, dunes, um, oyster beds, and uh, creating or restoring these to reduce the impact of waves, offset sea level rise, or naturally filter and clean water. And then you asked about uh, nature first solutions. So with that, uh, we mean that although there will be uh, a need for engineering to solve infrastructure challenges, we should really flip things around and start with uh, start solving the issue from the perspective of nature and then think about a hybrid approach uh, before we then look at if only engineering is needed. Thank you. And I guess, how are you seeing engineers or how can engineers better promote and integrate you know, nature-based or nature-first solutions into some of those existing uh, you know, grey infrastructure projects? And I guess how specifically, and I guess in the urban environment, can this be done? So I think as a principle, to be successful, nature-based solutions should really be integrated with grey solutions. And then if grey solutions um, or if grey infrastructure does not meet uh, the criteria anymore, so for example, because of climate change or increasing population 
or maybe uh, aging assets, rather than building more or upgrading that gray infrastructure, engineers should really explore the opportunities for nature-based solutions. So, for example, the Leeds Flood Alleviation Scheme uh, involves large traditional infrastructure, but alongside that, natural flood management measures are being implement, implemented uh, across the river air catchment, so upstream of the city, to reduce flood, flood risk in the city and deliver wider benefits. And to promote nature-based solutions, it's really important to demonstrate the benefits. Mm. And ways to do this are developing really quickly. Uh, for example, at Addiston Water in uh, Scotland, we use the Syria BEST tool to assess the benefits of a large natural flood management scheme developed by flood, uh, Tweed Forum. And this scheme reduced flood peaks by 30% and saving 1 million of damage to nearby homes and uh, generating then additional benefits worth of 4 million um, or over 4 million for carbon, biodiversity, recreation, salmon fishing and, and things like that. So, yeah, you asked about urban um, examples. So in the urban areas, there's, there's, there's also many ways to integrate nature-based solution with existing grey infrastructure. So, for example, by using green roofs or uh, sustainable drainage solutions. And also, uh, yeah, it's possible to derive values for benefits like improved air quality, reduced heat island effects, uh, improve physical and mental health by providing uh, green space and active travel corridors. Uh, yeah, it's really important for engineers to bring in nature-based solutions right from the start of the project and start talking to uh, landscape architects, ecologists, so social impact experts at a very early stage so they can design for and maximize benefits. And I guess picking on that last point around those, I guess all the different professions and stakeholders, engineers probably need to be talking to a lot more around this. I guess, why is that collaboration going to be so important? And and I guess how can engineers drive and sort of lead the way in, in you know collaborating and integrating stakeholders and different professions going forward into some of these solutions? The key thing really about nature-based solutions is that they deliver multiple co-benefits for people and nature. And these benefits usually go to multiple multi-sector stakeholders. And by working in partnerships, you can optimize benefits to multiple stakeholders. So for example, when we looked at um, a case study for the Skern catchment, the water company there was looking at catchment management uh, measures to improve water qualities, for example, buffer strips, hedro, hedgerows, wetlands, and these measures would slow down the flow and filter, filter the water. But at the same time, um, slowing down the flow would also reduce the risk of flooding, and this would benefit many other stakeholders. So, for example, um, the East Coast Main Line was running through the floodplain um, of the Skern further downstream, and a lot of money is lost if trains can't run because mm. of flooding. So there is a great incentive to work together to solve multiple uh, problems by nature-based solutions and to share costs and benefits. And in the same way, there's other stakeholders that will benefit from restored habitats and enhanced biodiversity or carbon sequestration, um, improved amenity value, etc. So in that way, you can build sort of partnerships. And engineers can drive better collaboration by engaging these stakeholders early and really stop focusing on single outcomes. 
We need to look at multiple desired outcomes in a landscape and develop an integrated approach. And I guess there's a lot of growing public concern and perhaps quite rightly around your water quality at the moment and the impact that storm overflows you know, are having across our watercourses. I guess what, what role can nature-based solutions have in you know, slowing the flow and you know, really driving water quality in the future? Yeah, nature-based solution can definitely be part of the solution to reduce the impact of storm overflows. And yeah, we've devised a method to identify potential viable sites. So we need to look both upstream and downstream to maximize these opportunities and not to be fixated on just a point of spill. And we also need to understand the combined impact of a number of spills on a given water body rather rather than to take them on a case-by-case -case basis. And it's also important to consider the severity of the overflows and the sensitivity of the receiving natural system. So the better this is functioning, the more readily it could be um, accommodating uh, potential unavoidable spills. So yeah, it's a bit um, complex and you need to consider the um, yeah, holistic situation. So looking upstream, um, catchment management measures can be taken to improve the wider catchment function uh, to increase the resilience to spills of the environment. Um, and then in the areas that drain to the network, uh, measures such as ponds or suds can be taken to divert or reduce runoff to reduce flow and improve water quality of water entering combined sewers. And at the overflow itself, there may be space to install wetlands immediately downstream to the filter spills. And then further downstream, we can improve the wider catchment, uh, like I talked about for upstream, and also the coastal zone to increase uh, environmental resilience to spills. And this could be uh, restoring or managing habitats that filter water and improve water quality. As you say, it's going to be a hybrid solution yeah, going forward for it. You mentioned... Uh suds as well as part of it and you know they're becoming mandatory in england in 2024 um for new construction i guess what what impact have you seen suds have you know, already on some projects and i guess what 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 would you expect to change going forward as suds i guess becomes rolled out across england uh, more widely suds will reduce the risk of surface water flooding uh, pollution and will help uh, alleviate the pressures on our uh, existing drainage and sewerage systems so that they will become mandatory um, for new developments is a great opportunity but of course it's it's only for new developments mm. and it would have a much uh, larger impact if it would also hold for uh, retrofitting of established developments but definitely it's a great step forward yeah and what i really hope is that um the opportunity to design SUDs for wider outcomes will be realized. So if designed for SUDs can be uh, helping mental well-being, promote physical activity and health, uh, create attractive uh, higher value locations, clean the air, absorb carbon dioxide, provide shade and cooling in the summer. Um, however, SUDs have been around for quite a while and what you often see is... is um, a very engineering approach with like neatly mowed grass as vegetation. Um, whilst if multiple outcomes are considered, they can do so much for people and the environment. 
So in Wales, they're already mandatory mm -hmm. for new developments. And I think it's going in the right direction. But the standards there are more ambitious than uh, those in England and include a wide range of benefits such as water quality, amenity and biodiversity. And these align with uh, Sirius Sats manual. And you mentioned you've talked a few times about some guidance and tools out there. I guess what would you recommend any engineers look to to sort of be better informed and uh, know you know, how to go about, you know, using uh, Nature First Solutions and SUDS, you know, on their upcoming projects? Yeah, so the lack of, of guidance or standardization is a really well-known barrier to uh, mm. scaling up nature-based solutions. And compared to engineering options, they're just less trialed and tested, and it gives less confidence in the solutions and make that they're associated with higher risk. But there is more and more data and evidence with uh, many case studies with information on cost and benefits and maintenance requirements and costs, uh, etc. And also more standards and manuals are being developed, such as the um, Syria Suds manual, and that has been around for a while. But there's also the more, more recently published uh, Natural Flood Management manual, um, and the development of that was led by Mott McDonald. Um, but you won't be able to compare natural solutions one-to-one -one with grey solutions as it's, yeah, nature's alive. So it develops and it changes and, um, yeah, adaptive management will be, yeah, very even more important than it already is with um, grey solutions. And we can't just use engineering frameworks to try and fit natural solutions in. And then finally, it is, um, yeah, one thing to get, the standards and the guidelines right, mm. but the other is to really make sure that um, guidance gets implemented. Uh, so there needs to be enforcement, but also you need sufficient people with the right knowledge to plan, design, implement and maintain the solutions, and then also to enforce the guidance. So a lot of upskilling is needed. And I guess if, you know, if there's one change you would like to see sort of in the industry in the, in the coming years to sort of drive you know, greater resilience and adaptation you know, in the water sector. I guess, what what would that be, that one thing? Yeah, it's always difficult to, <laughs> to have <laughs> one thing. Um, so, yeah, I would like to see that we start valuing nature and the benefits of nature-based solutions properly and find ways to consider multiple outcomes from the start and allocate costs and benefits effectively. This will be a big step towards mainstreaming nature-based solutions and nature first, which will drive greater resilience and adaptation in the water sector and beyond. And this is why I'm very excited about a project um, that we're starting soon on ma mainstreaming nature-based solutions. And it's a national collaboration program led by United Utilities with Mob McDonald as a core partner uh, next to uh, a lot of other partners. And uh, we're aiming to overcoming barriers to nature-based solutions. So, for example, the fact that uh, investment and delivery of nature-based solutions remains very much fragmented and is not incentivized. People and organizations are working in silos. Regulation and policies are, are restricting um, opportunities for implementation at scale. And yeah, one of the things we'll look at is is how we can change the way that organizations work together to solve multiple problems at once. We will use best practice from all over the world. There are many lessons we can learn. Brilliant. Well, 
that's all we have time for today. So thank you very much to Marika for joining us and sharing your thoughts and experiences. And thank you all for listening. Goodbye.